And welcome to the Sports Report. I am Tarek Ansari. Thanks so much for joining us. As boy, we have a lot to talk about today. For one, the Super Bowl happened last week. In case you forgot, of course you didn't forget because it's the darn Super Bowl. We had the Kansas City Chiefs beating the San Francisco 49ers by the final score of 31-20. to We're also going to be talking about the NBA trade deadline, Tom Brady, and other things in our weekly rapid-fire mailbag. And in addition, we'll get into the XFL. XF. Oh, that just sounds intense. As they start play uh, the, the weekend, we're taping this on Saturday and Sunday of the 8th and the 9th. Should be a very fun show, so sit back, relax, and enjoy. Uh, if you're driving in your car listening to this, don't relax. Focus on the road. Look ahead, and please don't cut off people without using your blinkers. All right, let's start. As I get my papers here. Killing trees, that's me. Indeed, I get them a little old-fashioned when I look at my notes here. Still using paper uh, a few years down the road. We're only going to have phones. Oh, well. Anyway, let's get started by talking about the Super Bowl from last week. Boy, I'm telling you what, I'm going to put all the fandom aside. I'm a 49ers fan at heart, but the fact is I respect greatness when I see it, and I saw greatness last week when Patrick Mahomes in the fourth quarter, who had already thrown two interceptions, hadn't thrown a touchdown himself, or actually had he? No, at that point it had only been rushing touchdowns and two picks. But in the fourth quarter he turned it on, third and 15. Huge throw to Tyree Kill. That changed the course of the game. Made another big throw later in the game to Sammy Watkins, who beat Richard Sherman in coverage. It's not easy to do. And the Chiefs overcame a 10-point deficit in the fourth quarter, put up three touchdowns unanswered on the 49ers and got the win. I've got to say, a lot of people have been saying the 49ers blew this. You can argue that. I think there was a few few things they could have done better. But we talked about the Chiefs having this ability to just jump on you. You feel like you have a a safe lead. The Texans had a 24-point lead on them, and they were looking good. And within a couple minutes, that lead was gone. Same thing happened with the 49ers. The lead was not as large. But they've been doing this all year, all postseason. So I was personally not shocked by the result. And Mahomes, what he showed was that even when he doesn't put out his A game, which, let's be fair, he did not put out his A game on Sunday. He made some pretty off throws, and he had a uh, pretty bad third quarter and a, not a great start to the fourth. He was making some good throws, but he was just missing some guys. Did some good things with his feet, but those last couple of drives in the fourth quarter, he turned it on when it mattered most. That's what you want to see with these big franchise or you know moniker franchise quarterbacks. To be able to do these kind of things. Not every quarterback can. Only a certain few. So, a lot of fun to watch. Not as a fan of the 49ers, but a lot of fun as a football fan to see Patrick Mahomes. And also, how about Damian Williams? What a game. What a game from him. And then Frank Clark living up to what he said. Had a great game against the 49ers, but... I would not be surprised if that matchup happens again because both teams, I don't think, are going anywhere anywhere at all. I mean, Chiefs assistants, 49ers assistants, really not many are getting jobs elsewhere. They're focused on being back here and getting the championship in 2021. 
and it's just a few miles down the road. Well, not a few miles down the road, but it's in Tampa. This year's was in Miami. I would, I mean, can you think of other teams that are in a better spot to make the Super Bowl again? The Ravens, maybe, if they can win a playoff game. Will the Saints even have Drew Brees? Will the Patriots have Tom Brady? More on that later. But a very fun Super Bowl, and I'm really, really, I'm shocked that the the ratings were down. You know, it said there was a significant drop in ratings, and I can only think that was because there was a lack of an East Coast team. You had Kansas City and San Francisco. That might be part of it. But really, Patrick Mahomes did not attract a huge audience? That's just, that's hard to believe. I will say, this year the commercials were weak. Didn't like the commercials that much. Not a fan. Not a fan at all. Uh, you Now, there were a few good ones, I'll admit. The Bill Murray one. Because I love Groundhog Day. That's a great movie from the 90s. Channeling Groundhog Day. That was a good idea by Jeep. They might have had the best one. I will say, though, that commercial they had at the very beginning of the game where they had that one kid, you know, going around all the cities in the NFL, you know, running the football and all that. That actually might have been number two. Hard to believe because it wasn't terribly funny. It was just really, as a football fan, it was so cool to see that. And then to see him come up to the field and hand the ball off to the referee was kind of a you know, yeah, it was a dramatized and staged moment, but it was actually, you know, kind of cool. Took a lot of uh, moving parts for that, I could tell. And it, you know what? It's a good fi- final product. And halftime show? It's a good halftime show. It's better than last year. Better than Adam Levine. I, I think that one halftime show showed us, you know, age is only a number. J-Lo is 50. <laughs> Shakira is 43. And if you were to tell me that they were in their mid-20s, I would have said, oh, yeah, I believe you. Hey, that's what happens when you take care of your bodies, you know, when you eat healthy, you exercise, you stay happy, good things, good things can happen. But, yeah, Shakira also made a meme. (laughs) That was interesting. Oh, well, but it was a fun Super Bowl, I'll tell you that. Even as a 49er fan, putting the bias aside as a fan, it was enjoyable to watch. Now, let's move on to another topic. And this one especially is interesting. I think you all know who A.J. Hinch is. He's the former Astros manager. He sat down with MLB Network. I believe it was on Thursday night. Maybe it was Friday night. And he was interviewed about his role in the Astros cheating scandal. And we actually somehow came out of it angrier than we did before. I didn't think that was possible. I thought clarity and an understanding of the situation, which we kind of got from Hinch, would make us all go, okay, we're still a little mad, but oh well. As it turns out, it seems like it was more driven by the front office, driven by a play. I mean, it was, it, we, we, the, it really looks bad for Major League Baseball. I'll say it that way. There were hints, and this is probably true, I mean, it's speculation, that the cheating has gone back to 2016 when an intern got a hold of some software to uh, to be able to carry out this uh, this, ter- this terrible act. And there is no definitive answer as to have they stopped using it. Like, A.J. Hinch kind of like worked around a question asking, did the 2019 Astros use this? Which means one thing. The 2019 Astros also used this. And Major League Baseball, remember... They carry. They have suspensions against the Astros, and to begin with, they were touted as, as weak, and they are weak. I mean, the, come on, let's be fair. 
for how many games they probably got to win and helping them win that year in the World Series. I mean, that's just one year, by the way. It's ridiculous. And remember, Beltron affected, Luthgo affected, the Astros GM. You have the you have Hinch obviously was fired. But no players. No players yet. I mean Beltron was a player on that team, so maybe a little asterisk there. But no players have uh gotten the the hammer yet. And if there are more details that come out that MLB did not want to reveal, it's a bad look for baseball. It was a bad look to beforehand, and it actually it it brings up the thought of did Major League Baseball know about this? And th- it's starting to look like they did. Because if it's true that MLB has held back a lot of information about this whole Astro scandal, it seems like they might be trying to tamper down the the coverage on this or trying to, you know, cool the fire. The fact is, if they did certain things, we should know about those things. It's cheating for a reason. This is not just stealing signs. This is creating a computerized system to electronic to to cheat your way out of games or cheat your way in games. If you're not allowed to have Apple Watches in a dugout, you're not allowed to videotape and do baseball the baseball equivalent of Morse code cheating. That's I, I mean that's a decent way to describe it, I guess. I don't know. But it's not listen, you this is not okay. The punishment should have been harder. We should have learned about the entirety of this, not just, you know, one slice of the pie. We need the entire thing, but we're not getting that. And that's a shame. You know, it's a big shame because it feels like MLB is not is not willing to take action in a big way. And I don't really know what the fear that there is. So what if you take away their championship or if you put an asterisk on it? Baseball's not going to end. I mean, really, if anything, it shows other teams, hey, don't mess around because Major League Baseball is going to shut you down. I mean, look, Pete Rose is pulling out the argument that, wait, hold on, you're not suspending these guys and I can't get into the Hall of Fame, which I think is also a little bit of an argument on the side. I mean, it's a decent argument from him, but I don't think it's really, it doesn't align to the situation at hand. But he does kind of have a point. Like, really, not one player is going to get fined or suspended at all. Like, the team has been fined and all that, and there's been suspensions of draft picks. But not one? I mean, you've got to know certain players have been more involved than others. We've been speculating about this, expecting for an answer. And the answer we've gotten is incomplete. You're the league. You run the damn league. Do something about it. It's just just ridiculous. When the Wall Street Journal finds more than you on this subject, that means you did not do a good job. Or you weren't trying to do a good job. So do your damn job. Suspend the players that need to be suspended. Find the players that need to be fined. And make sure this never happens again. Because all this says, in my mind, is that another team can do a similar thing and if they get caught for it, Okay, yeah, you have to live with the consequences, but you won a World Series. Was it worth it? Yes! Are you really telling me the Astros, if you were to look back on this, the Astros would have a decision of, 
chancing it without this sign-stealing system versus sign-stealing and getting a little punishment? You're telling me they wouldn't go for that? Any team would go for that. You've got to hammer it down. Come on. This is baseball. This is not gambling. It's just that it sickens me, you know? It, they've got to get this down. If we're still in this limbo by opening day, I, I don't know about the future of baseball. I really don't. So the steroid fiasco was already bad. The strike thing, which hopefully we won't get into, but it sounds like the MLBPA and MLB, they're having some talks, and we'll see what happens there. This will have a player in it. It's interesting timing. Hopefully there isn't another strike, because if this combined with another strike, and you know, baseball might be in the dumpster. I don't know. It's it, It's just it's painful, you know? Especially as a fan of a team, the A's, who's in the same division as the Astros. Listen, the whole payroll thing is already bad enough. Not being able to attract big free agents, that's something that, you know what, we can't blame many for except ourselves. But when it comes to this kind of scandal, I mean, this is, this is not okay. something's got to come out. I hope by the next time we talk on the sports report right here, there will be an answer. Let's hope. I am just sick and tired of this. Just, well, it's like, it's kind of like a high school. Did she, uh, did he, did she, you know, that whole kind of thing? Like, uh, like, Ooh, what's going to happen? I don't know. We're going to speculate forever. It's like, come on for, for real. Anyway, before I get even more mad than I already am about this, let's move on. We're going to go to our mailbag, our rapid-fire mailbag. We have seven questions here because seven's a lucky number, you know? What do I have to say? And uh, we kind of mixed some Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, even one football question that isn't NFL, hint, hint. And, uh, well, these are from you guys, the listeners, so we thank you so much for getting us these questions. And you know what? I'm going to answer them. I'm going to turn on the little little, my little phone timer here. See, that's me turning on my phone. Not really. Just wanted to try to have you visualize it. It's all audio. Ha, 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 ha. Podcasting. Anyway, here we go. One minute for each question. All right, I'm going to address the question at first. And then one minute to answer. No less, no longer. And here we go. So... First question, now that there is more information about the Astros scandal, will there be more discipline? I think there will be, only because Major League Baseball has to. Because as I said just a few seconds ago, what, I mean, if you, don't, if you don't discipline these players, then you are in a troublesome place. Like, seriously. Uh, there, there were certain players that were involved in this. That's a guarantee. So they, what, what Major League Baseball needs to do, and I guess maybe they could hire... Uh, outside investigators, what they need to find out, it's kind of like the flake gate, you know, hiring outside investigators. Uh, they need to find out what players were involved. If all players were involved, which ones were more involved than others, which ones were ringleaders, and if it was held by the front office more than anything, then you got to find those certain people, even if they don't work for the Astros anymore, and you've got to pin them down. And you've got to, you, you know what? You've got to punish fairly and smoothly and you know what? You gotta bring on, bring down the hammer for this, because you know what? Come on. All right. So that's one. Number two. Who is the biggest NBA trade 
trade deadline winner. Who is the biggest loser at the deadline? Biggest winner, I think, is the Miami Heat. I mean, that team is already good as it is, although they did have a few, had a little rough patch this week. They lost to the Sacramento Kings last night. Actually, we're recording this on a Saturday. It happened on Friday. And uh, they're a much better team at home than the road. You see a lot of this with uh, some of the mid- mid-tier playoff teams. The 76ers were like that, I think, last year. Uh, they've they've got a few injuries. They've got they could use a little depth, and they addressed that. They got Andre Iguodala, and I like that move because uh, Iggy. You know what? He may not be the same Iggy we saw. Uh, got the MVP a few years back with the Warriors in the NBA Finals, but he can help a contender. There's a reason he didn't play for the Grizzlies, uh, but he is going to go out and he's gonna. I think he's gonna do pretty well with that uh, Miami club. They've got a lot of uh, talent there, and it's only growing. A lot of young players. Tyler Hero. You know what? It's only going to get better out there in South Beach. So there you go. I I think he's the biggest winner. Biggest loser, Kevin Love, because he didn't get traded even though he hates being in Cleveland. All right, number three. Should the NFL extend the season to 17 games? It's currently at 16. The uh, NFL PA and the the NFL owners, I believe, are going to meet about this this offseason, and they're going to agree on a new CBA. And it sounds like part of that's going to be increasing the regular season to 17 games. I think they should, but only on one condition, that they either eliminate eliminate the preseason or reduce it down to two games. Because, I mean, how many people here watch the preseason? I see no hands. Like, nobody watches preseason football. It is to try out certain players, basically for making a few spots for the practice squad. I don't think you need more than two games for that. One home, one away, done. Because... You get these players who are taking reps who are getting hurt out there. And really, it seems like a waste of money, you know, getting some fans at a huge stadiums for preseason games that by the second quarter, you know, are kind of boring. Two games or no games, and then 17 games, that makes sense. Let's do that. All right. Number four. What Major League Baseball team is being overhyped for 2020? Which one is being underhyped? I'll try to split it even here. Overhyped? I think the Mets are being overhyped. I really do. Uh, I, I know I, I know they just hired that new manager after Beltron, who is a player's manager, and that always helps and all. Uh, but the, you know what? Being a New York team, being an East Coast team, but especially New York, you get overhyped in general, unless you're really bad, New York Giants. But the fact is, the Mets last year, second half, you know, second half, they looked great. Remember, they had a first half, too. Just because they didn't get Marcus Stroman until, like, the trade deadline doesn't mean that they were a great team all year. I don't think they're as good as people say they are. Now, on the other hand, the Tampa Bay Rays, we all talk about how the Yankees are going to be great. Yankees, Yankees, Yankees. Oh, the Yankees are going to go all out in the AL East. They still might, but the Tampa Bay Rays were giving teams fits last year. They are a completely balanced team where each facet of that team is good. Not one player stands out, and that is scary, especially come playoff time. That's what the Nationals used to, uh, you know, to get the World Series. All right, number five. Will a losing team get a playoff spot in the Western Conference? So, currently the eighth seed is held by the Memphis Grizzlies, who are twenty six and twenty six. I don't think so. There's a lot of teams in there for that for that uh, Western Conference uh, eighth seed. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers are a few games behind, uh, but twenty six and twenty six. I really would. I find it hard to believe that all of these teams fighting for that eighth seed are not going to you know ramp it up. Not at least one's not going to ramp it up. Memphis has got a young core that is exciting, and they are fun to watch. Uh, and then Portland, you never know with Damian Lillard there. You never know with C.J. McCollum. You never know. So I would find it very hard to believe that we have a losing team getting the eighth seed 
in the Western Conference. Now, Eastern Conference, it's almost a guarantee. But in the West, we were expecting like a 45-win team to miss the playoffs. I don't think that happens. I think I think Memphis will get in with like something around 42 games, 42, 43 wins. So that's what I would expect. All right, there we go. Next one, number six. Is Tom Brady really going to leave the Patriots? Yes, he will. He will. Here's why. Uh, the, the, the New England Patriots, they, it's not because the Patriots are going to give up and, you know, just tank and, you know, rebuild. They're not. But I, I feel the Patriots are going to try and look in this draft for that new quarterback. Uh, you know what? They've, they, they thought they had it in Garoppolo. As it turns out, the timing was bad because Brady, you know what? Uh, he, Brady ended up being the guy they, uh, they, they needed for a few more years. Jacoby Brissett is in Indianapolis, so I think they go out and they get like a Justin Herbert. Maybe they get, uh, a, you know, maybe they go out and get Tua. I don't know. Maybe they trade up and get a, a quarterback they like. Jordan Love is another one from Utah State. He might be a good fit. Uh, but this is the year I think they go for quarterback. Jason Stridham is not going to be that quarterback for them. But I don't think Brady comes back. He's going to want to go somewhere else where you know he can accept a new challenge. As much as he's been loved out there in New England. In, in Boston especially. So, finally, number seven. Will the XFL survive? Now, I think the reason why a lot of people bring up this question is because the Alliance of American Football, the AAF, or the Alliance, if you'd like to call it that, folded after only a few games last year, despite some incredible promise. Now, the season for the XFL is a very, very similar one to the AAF. They play around the same time in the spring, and they have similar stadiums they're playing in, similar size of the league, and the team's you know, they're in, I would say, somewhat similar cities. Uh, the only reason I see this sur- having a better shot than the AAF is because there's more capital there uh, with Ed McMahon uh, committing a little bit more money to this. Money really talks in this kind of thing with new league in new leagues. The thing is, and you know, a lot of radio hosts have brought this up, the NFL, it's so hard to find alternative leagues that work with the NFL. And, you know, I think... Okay, I know I had a minute for this, and the see, it just ring, it's raining again, again and all, but I'm going to dedicate a little more time to this topic. I really feel like this is something that's really interesting because we haven't talked about the XFL at all yet because they're, they're just starting up around now. But here's the thing. The XFL, by the way, it sounds like a porn league, by the way. XFL, it sounds like it's like a dirty website or something like that. I, I don't know why they call it that. But anyway, there's also not a team in Las Vegas in the XFL. Come on. Missed opportunity. Anyway. Sorry, but XFL, there's more capital there. It's so hard to compete with the NFL. Look at how many leagues in just the last uh, decade. Really, the UFL. You remember that? United Football League. You had a few teams around the nation. Uh, You had guys like Dante Culpepper. You had um, Tim Rattay. You know, some guys who were just former NFL players who wanted to play in the XFL. That got a decent amount of publicity, but in the end, it didn't didn't work out so ufl i think like they dissolved in 2012 2013 you had the alliance of american football last year you had guys like trent richardson going out there Uh, i think johnny manziel played for a short amount of time and these are this is the idea you get these highly formerly highly touted prospects who either didn't work out or had ran into some legal issues Uh, they they go into these little other leagues and they have success that didn't work out for the aaf because they ran out of money and, uh, I mean, fans stopped showing up. The games were not as interesting. But it's a shame, you know, that the NFL, we can't have a spring football league 
that works. Maybe the XFL works, but it's so hard to find uh, to find a league that that will compete. And I think the biggest thing is I would use the AFL concept. Now you're probably thinking, what is the AFL concept? Well, American Football League back in the 1960s started up against the National Football League, and actually, it's the success. It's the success story uh, to the NFL because it ended up combining with the NFL. If you want to compete with them, you have to eventually be a part of them. That's, I think, the the key for for this. So if I'm the XFL, there's a few things I don't agree with already off the bat. For one, when you're choosing certain cities, you want to look for like mid to upper tier cities that don't have an NFL team. Now they did a good job by choosing St. Louis. Uh, I think it's the the Battle Hawks. Yeah, the Battle Hawks. They put in St. Louis. That's a good market to put a football team. The St. Louis Rams moved to L.A. and there are still there's still a football base there. Uh, now where I disagree is putting them in the uh, Edward Jones Dome. I think they have a new name for that now. But in that dome that is too big, they couldn't fill it for Rams games. Why would they fill it for the XFL? They won't. They've got to put it in a smaller in a smaller venue. You know, I mean, you got to be able to. You know, you, nothing is more uh, dismissing than empty seats. You don't want empty seats. So let's not have empty seats. Come on. Uh, and then you see a lot of other cities like L- the L.A. has another football team. I don't know if I agree with putting another team in L.A., but hey, you know, if it can boost your if it can boost the media market, that's that's all good. You see some other cities out th- out there that are getting some uh, some attention. You have Seattle with a team. You have Dallas with a team. You have Houston with a team. I don't know if I agree with that, though, because you have all these big cities getting these teams. And, yeah, I mean, you may be able to pull in a few Seahawks fans that are just wanting some football in the spring and maybe a few Cowboys fans who want to give another team a shot. But you should be going after the teams or the cities that don't have teams that are still decent, decently big sports cities. Like, you could you, you could do Seattle, sure, and you could play at the Seahawks Stadium and try to fill it. You won't. Or you could go to Portland. You could play in Portland where they don't have an, a football team, where they don't have an NFL team, but they have an NBA team that's really successful, an MLS team that's really successful, and a minor league baseball team that is really successful too. Sacramento is very similar to that. Sacramento has a NBA team that tries really hard to be successful, but they bring in a lot of fans. They'll soon have an MLS team. They have a minor league baseball team. You can you know add to that, just play right there in front of 20,000 fans. And, I mean, if you, if you sell out, then you add on to that. You build momentum off of that. Salt Lake City is another another city where, hey, you know what? There's not there's a NBA team here and there's an MLS team here, but there is not an NFL team here, and that is a market you can take advantage of. You know, it's just things like that. Milwaukee, again, Milwaukee has the Green Bay Packers, but Milwaukee also does not have a team in Milwaukee, like a football team in Milwaukee. So these are the kind of things, and I'm just thinking off the bat, you know, just thinking of cities right here. That don't have uh, NFL teams, but like this is something like Orlando. You know, Orlando is another good market. These these are, I think, cities you've got to target because eventually, if you can have success in the spring with these leagues, then if the NFL takes notice, you can be the minor league affiliate of the NFL, which is how you survive. You affiliate yourself with the NFL, the American Football League, the AFL. They survived by combining with the NFL in 1970 because they had some interesting new rules, which I'll give the XFL credit. They're also doing some interesting new things, and which made the game more fun. So if 
the XFL can make their game more fun and then appeal to certain cities that don't have an NFL team, they'll be better off. I th- I really think so. They will be well off. It's just these these cities that don't have NFL teams. When you're competing with teams that have NFL teams and also have like NBA teams and they also have Major League Baseball teams, I mean, look at look at Houston. You're seriously telling me you're trying to compete with the Houston Rockets, who are a playoff team, as well as the Houston Astros, who are a cheating team, but also a Major League Baseball team. Simultaneously, I mean, that ain't easy. That is not easy, my friend. You're much better off putting a team in San Antonio. Yeah, they have the Spurs. And they also have a great city that wouldn't mind having a football team, I'm pretty sure, if you put them there. Especially if it's a small market, not small market, but a smaller XFL team. It's a shame that they don't really use this concept and they always go big for the big stadiums. But like you're going to draw 60,000 fans to an XFL game. It's not going to happen. It's not. So deal with the fact that you're going to pull 25 to 30 at the most. Fill up the stadiums that you can. Make them look real full. Build momentum. That's exactly what they should do. Well, that's all the time we have for today. And let's conclude this episode of the Sports Report by thanking you so much for listening. If you'd like to follow us, be sure to do so. Give us a little download on Spotify if you already haven't. Tell your friends about the Sports Report. You can also find us find us at any other streaming services. This is an anchor podcast, the Sports Report. And, uh, well, we've got some awesome upcoming content for you. Just a little hint, we may have some interviews coming up with some former players, some journalists as well, so Stay tuned. Every Saturday, we'll have a new one of these out. And uh, that's all I've got to say about that, as Forrest Gump once said. Well, thanks so much for joining us here on this episode of the Sports Report. We'll be back with you next Saturday with more exciting sports action and news. See you later. Later.